0: One balmy Sunday morning in the land of ducks, all the ducks waddled to church. When they found their pews, their duck preacher waddled to the pulpit. Opening the duck Bible, he preached a spell-bounding sermon about God's great gift to ducks, wings. God has given you wings to rise above the confinement of the pens you live in and soar to the heavens, he roared. All the ducks in the congregation energetically quacked and shouted, Amen, amen, praise God for the gift of wings. And then they all waddled home. I think we may have a listening problem. You hear the words, what do you do with them? Today, in the text that we're looking at, we're actually going to see this Hebrew word, Shema. Shema. In Hebrew, there is no word for obey. It is Shema, and Shema means hear, listen. So when the original ancient Hebrew people would hear this word, they knew, okay, let's take heed. Let's hear these things and do them. So the common charge and the question that I would hear in my home church growing up every Sunday, as a preacher would preach, you'd hear these words, listen. Are you listening? If you want, you can open up your Bible to Mark 12. If you're new to the Christian faith, to church, if this is your first time ever, Mark is about three fourths the way through the Bible. You can grab that one sitting in front of you. You can take it home, that's our gift to you. I encourage you, take it, read it, be blessed. We've been walking through the book of Mark, the gospel account of Jesus' life, Mark hits the ground running. It's a fast-paced gospel. He wastes no time getting to the ministry. Jesus spends time calling his disciples, then teaching and preaching, healing, performing miracles, and then as we saw last week, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He comes in riding on a donkey. Everyone's screaming his name, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us. And then leading up to Mark 12, He has now entered the temple. He has cleared out the temple. And the following day, he comes and teaches in the temple. Specifically, we're going to be in verses 28 to 34 of chapter 12. So as you find your place there, I want you to see the main points now that will be highlighted in the text. And that is that God is love. God loves you. And God wants all of you. From this... We'll see application. We'll see how we live. It'll be the simple summary that many of us have heard to love God and to love others. So if you read the verses before verse 28, you'll see that Jesus has now interacted with the different religious leaders, the elders at the time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to corner Jesus. They're trying to make him stumble to show the people this man is not what you think he is. Because he's standing in their temple, teaching, basically replacing them and they don't like it. And so they bring challenging questions to Jesus and of course he answers them perfectly, wisely. They ask him things like about taxes, very sensitive subject. They see if they can maybe, see if he'll usurp God's word with leaning towards the government. They'll see if they can get him to misquote or misteach the Torah, the ancient law, of the Hebrew people, the first five books of our Bible. But again, Jesus passes the test perfectly. So, as we read Mark 12, verses 28 to 34, I want to ask you and urge you, listen. Are you listening? Let's stand together and read God's word. Mark 12, beginning in verse 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one. And there is no one besides him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we see your words, hear your words, we ask that they be spoken clearly, that your truth would be communicated, your gospel would be heard, that using the full counsel of the word of God, we would see it echoed throughout all the text, that your message of gospel and reconciliation would be heard, how to live from that. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide these things. Let each of us get out of the way so your message can be heard clearly and you glorified. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, Jesus in the temple, waves of questioning. And a gentleman comes up to him, a scribe, a lawyer, in verse 28, says this, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Again, a scribe, a lawyer, he knows the Old Testament. That's his job. A taught theologian of the Torah. But notice his tone, a little different than the rest." the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the other leaders had come to him, had come to Jesus with a certain tone, a, a desire to trap him, to make him stumble and fall, to ruin his witness. But this scribe, again it says, noticing how he answered, he asked him, so which commandment is the most important of all? Maybe he thinks, hey, this guy's got the key. He knows what he's talking about. And as we often do, drifting towards legalism, a legalism, a way to earn this, a way to do this for God, he has maybe the same desires as the rich young man in Mark 10, asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Again, performance. So how will Jesus answer? Knowing everyone has been watching, knowing that this man is saying, how do you sum all this up? Listen, are you listening? Verse 29 Reads, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Why start here? Why not just give the man his answer? He's looking for a commandment. He's looking for a step, a call to action. And Jesus wisely quotes from Deuteronomy 6. This is the Shema. This is what Jews know, then pray daily. This is their devotion to God. And instead of going straight to the command, he starts with this initial call of attention. Now, this is like a hyperlink, like clicking on it, boom, the web page open. When a Jew hears these words and knows Deuteronomy 6, they also know the context, the context of Deuteronomy, that the Jewish people had come out of Egypt, the Exodus. They'd wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, doing a so-so job. So a generation dies off before the Lord can give them the promised land. So this new generation has risen up and Moses is there to teach them, to take all of the law, all that God has taught them, put on the tablets, the Ten Commandments, all of it, and is restating the purpose, commissioning them, challenging them. And here are the words, hear, O Israel. That word here, that's Shema. Shema. Oh Israel, hear, listen, take heed. Again, no word for obey here. So they're hearing. Okay, we 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 hear this, and now we do this. So you could see it like this: Here, oh church, Shema, oh first McKinney. Here, oh you sitting in the pew, you watching online, thinking about all of your life, what God has in store for you, what He is going to tell you today. Listen. Are you listening? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Again, this is a call to remembrance for the Jews. They know who this God is. My question for you is, do you know this God? This is the creator God, the Lord God, the one, the only one. He set the stars in place. He spoke existence into being. He exists outside of time, before time, and after time. He created all things. He parted the seas, brought up the mountains, and created you. So here, Shema, listen. This is the one we're talking about. But again, why would Jesus start here? Not jumping straight into that commandment. I think he knows that this first instruction, the first of the commandments, that nothing comes before God, not even your performance. Think about the idols that the nation of Israel stumbled on, the actual gods and idols. For us, it's a little different. feels a little different in 21st century America. But we have idols. Just think about where you put your time, where you put your money. What is before God? What is an idol in your life? They are specks of dust in comparison to this God. This is the God of Israel. And he's reminding them of that this first and great commandment nothing comes before him and how glorious is that I think we often sometimes we want to jump to hey Christians we go love people and we do good things have you ever thought about the fact that God is always pointing back to himself and we're told to not be selfish so what do we do with that if I am selfish it goes really poorly for my family If it's all about me, there's a lot that doesn't get done. There's a lot of hurt feelings because guess what? I'm broken. I am not perfect. My family knows that. We all know that about ourselves. But when God says, no, 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 focus on me. It's always about me. It's always about me. Look at me. You know why? Because he's perfect. He is good. In all things that he does, everything that flows from him, infinitely perfect, blessing others, Have you ever considered this? God, why does it always have to start with you? Why are we always coming back to you? Again, his holiness, steadfast in love, slow to anger, his majesty, his beauty, have you seen it? Have you tasted it? Have you felt it? His glory, because he is love. Have you met him? Do you know him? This God that is creating the seasons that we see, The crazy weather of North Texas. The one who breaks the bow and shatters the spear. The one who rules over the nations. The one who moves mountains. The one who sees all things and created all things. Before we even get to what he has done, let's understand who this God is. And this God is love. He did not, does not, and will never need us. But man, does he want us. A loving father, chasing his children. He's created you, He's created me. That's who he is. He wanted to show creation who he is, to bring more glory to himself. And guess what? That's a blessing for us. Because when, when we are with him in fellowship with him, what a blessing. And they knew this. The Jews knew this. This is the God of the burning bush, the great I am." Yahweh. That's His name, I am just is always in existence above all things everything of his essence flowing out into creation any good right and true thing that you see from him and this includes his love because god is love and guess what god loves you this god loves you listen are you listening Again, we sit here and we look at this context of Jesus quoting the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. This is the God of their ancestors Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They know what he has done. Do you know what he has done? With Moses, he brought them out of Egypt, he parted the Red Sea, he delivered them through this, through the wilderness, establishing relationship and covenant with them, a new generation leading them into his promises and now they're being reminded that they must and need to worship him he is the god of deliverance so how does that deal with us now through jesus christ he performs jesus does an even greater deliverance salvation full and whole forgiveness because God is love and God loves you. Through, through Jesus Christ, he will take you in your lostness, in your wandering in the wilderness, in all of your sin. He will call you to him. And when you call upon his name for forgiveness for his life, death, burial, burial, and resurrection, when he takes that sin, the penalty, and puts it to death and is victorious over death, he then delivers you in his name. And you pass through the waters. This is the new life that he invites us to. Praise God for our Savior. Praise God for our Deliverer, the foundation on which we stand. This is the God of love. This is the God that loves you. This is echoed in the New Testament, 1 John 4. Listen. Are you listening? Starting in verse 8. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 16, so we have come to know him and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Israel knew this in Deuteronomy before Jesus. John echoes this post-Jesus. And now standing right before the scribe, God in the flesh, standing there reminding him, this is who I am. God is love and God loves you. So now as we read further into Mark 12, we will see that God wants all of you. He wants everything that you have. Verse 30, here's the commandment. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. Again, God wants all of you. This word agapeo, much like agape love that we hear about, God's love for us, we now are returning to him. This is the love of intelligence, of the will, of purpose, choice, sacrifice, obedience. It's taking pleasure in the object of your love. It's longing for this. So when we agapeo God, when we love God, we take pleasure in him, the the perfect one. Yes, Lord, make it about you because this is best for my life. And he says, I want everything. I want your heart. In the Hebrew mindset, this is really the core of who you are, your thought, words, and actions, everything that flows out of the heart. He wants your soul. The Jewish mindset would be your emotions. He wants every feeling that you have. Jesus uses this word in Matthew 26, 38 when he tells disciples, my soul is overwhelmed as he walks into the garden to pray before the crucifixion. He wants your mind. This is your will, your intentions, your purposes. When you set your mind to something, that, yeah, you're you're displaying and putting your will into action. He wants that. And he wants your strength inside out. He wants everything in you and outside of you. How you move, how you think, how you act. Again, listen. Are you listening? God wants all of you. Now, if we look back again at where Jesus is quoting from in Deuteronomy 6, we'll see just how all-encompassing God wants. You, me, and all of his people. How much he wants to take over your life for your benefit. Just listen to these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. Again, from Deuteronomy 6, it reads, And the words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them on a sign, as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. He wants to take over all that you are, and the Jewish people took this very, very literally. The tradition that some of you may have seen before is that they have turned this prayer, the Shema, into what you can call a tefillin or phylactery, and these little boxes they've written little scrolls, handwritten. This is a children's version; costs about ten bucks. A real version is three hundred dollars because the scribes, the Jewish leaders, are actually writing on tiny little scrolls verses of the Shema and of the Torah. And then they take this twice a day in their devotion, the Orthodox Jew, and they bind it on their hand. And they wrap it up their arm. You can go to the next line. As you can see, reminding themselves of what it is they're about to pray. They pray these verses twice a day. You can go to the next slide. And then there's another one, they'll usually have two of these, and they'll put the other one on their head. The frontlets between their eyes. And so this is pictured, those who are actually doing this practice. They care a lot about this. So much so that they actually get into other parts of society. They want everything to be taken. So here's an example of some things they've done. Barbie gets one. Rosie from World War II gets one. And yes, this attitude that yes, we can do it. We're going to do this. What's interesting here is what that act displays. Now, I believe that's a true heart. They're saying, Lord, you said it like this. We built this tradition. We want to bring glory to your name. But as we know, without faith in Jesus Christ, it's all for naught. So God is love. God loves you and God wants all of you. This is a physical display of that, how you try to honor these words. But some of us may not even have that desire. Some of us may be afraid to even approach this throne of God to enter into that relationship because the question then comes, yeah, that's all great but I, I can't even enter into a relationship like that because of what I've done. Because of the things that I feel, the things that I know about myself The things that no one else knows. Well, God does know. And God wants all of it. He wants every ugly, unattractive, sinful part of you. Think about that. The Lord, the God, the creator of all, looks at you, sees your sin, and wants you. He wants every bit of you. He wants you in all your perfections. He wants us in all of our filth. Those parts of us that you hate, he wants that. Those things about yourself that no one else knows, he wants that. And here's what's so beautiful about it. He doesn't just take that and put it on display and tell the world, hey, look at this thing, this ugly thing, isn't that wonderful? No, 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 no. He takes it and he wraps it in the love of Christ. He says, look, world, this is my beloved. This is my son. This is my daughter. This is a forgiven one. This is a restored one. All of that sin put on the cross, all that shame and guilt done with by Jesus himself. And he says, who did it? I did it. I am did it. What once was no longer is because of my work. The Lord God, he has made it beautiful, and guess what? He loves it. He loves you, and he wants all of you. And then he will use you. He wants the rest of the world to come to know him the way that person has, the way that saved individual has. The one who is wandering, who's now rescued, delivered from wilderness, he wants every bit of you. So then comes the question, fine, if I'm in that relationship, so what do I do with this? I've surrendered to Jesus, now what? Verse 30 and 31, the commands. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus quotes from the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. Then he quotes from Leviticus 19.18. This full and complete look at the law and how to live by it. The application that we see, and you will hear this commonly amongst Christians. You'll see it on t-shirts. You'll see it as church mission statements. Because this is the summary of how to live. This is the summary of the law and the prophets. To love God and love others. This is our step of obedience. It's just that simple. But if you really want to know what does it look like to truly do this as a human, look to Jesus. You want to know who God is? Look to Jesus. You want to know what he is like? Look to Jesus. You want to understand the kind of love that he has and how he lives it out? Look to Jesus. And as you enter into that relationship by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are then given a God-given desire to do these things. We live out of that identity as a daughter, as a son of the king. Listen, are you listening? Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the son of the one and true living God. He is worthy of all attention, worship, and praise. And with all that, with all that you are, love the one who loved you first. From this, those righteous desires will flow. And so when that takes place, how do we do that in our daily lives? Some of us may have an ideal way or idea of what this might look like. Maybe you wake up before the sun comes up. The house is still, no one's up. You get your Bible out. You start making coffee. You get out some commentaries. You get that coffee just right. You know that kind of brown I'm talking about with the, with the creamer and a little bit of sweetener? And you get, you get out your pens and maybe you're starting to do a little Hebrew and Greek study and you're feeling pretty good about that. Looks like an Instagram photo. That's how your day starts. And because of that, you then go serve your family because you love them. And from that, you go to work. And you remember the prayer request of your coworkers, and you're, you're talking to them, and they're asking you, how are you doing? You're going, oh, I'm blessed. Because that's a good Christian response. And you're serving them, and you're loving them. You take someone out to, to lunch, you're generous, you buy them lunch, you come back, and you work hard, you perform well. But here's the deal. At the end of the day, we're still rot with sin. Even in the day that, that sounds sinless, it's full of it. As some have said, they would not trust their best five minutes to get them into heaven. Because we know even on our best days, you still feel it. So we must know where that identity comes from. Because even in our worst days, when we know we're a complete mess, when all those things are just complete opposite, here's the truth. We can't love God with all of who we are. But Jesus can, and he did. So then we get to draw on that. We get to call on his name, to call on the Holy Spirit, to form us, to make us more and more like him because we get to rest. Because on the cross, these words were spoken. It is finished. No more work, no more earning God's love. It is grace, it is a gift. There's nothing you must do to earn it. But out of a relationship with Jesus, then you start to feel that motivation, go, no, I want to love him. I want you to do that agapeo, yearning for him type love and so i urge you start with the word of god if you want to hear god speak read the bible out loud and as you're filled up as you're walking with the body of christ as you're walking in community and fellowship with the father son and holy spirit as we enter in these realities of god into our mind just simply reading and, and hearing preaching and going to life group and and fellowshipping with one another and praying let that which is in your mind, let gravity do its work. Let it drip down into your heart and form your heart. Because God wants all of you. And then what will happen, gravity will continue to do its job. As you think and dwell in these things, it will change the way you feel, the way you desire to live. And from your head to your hearts to your hands, they will start to move. They will start to move towards service of others. Towards glorifying God because this is his natural flow of things and students and children. I want you to hear this super clearly because we know that we talk a lot about do this and don't do that. Do not leave this church. When you go off to college, when you go off to the working world, do not leave not having heard this. It's not about earning it. It's not about going to do these things or what you do and don't do and balancing the scales. It's about resting in him, loving him first, because he loved you, and then from that, then flows out all the service to others based on this relationship. To prove this, I actually messaged a few of our senior adults in this church, most of these about 65 plus, and I said, if you could give one bit of advice to a young person, maybe struggling in life, just trying to figure things out as a young Christian, what would you say to them? You get one sentence, what would you say? And our brothers and sisters who have lived this life, who have seen struggle after struggle after struggle, who will testify about how good God is, this is what they had to say. Just one by one. One says you have to give 100% of trust to God. Another one said God sent his son for you, there is no greater love, put others before yourself. Does that sound familiar? And I, again, I didn't tell them what this was for. Some said keep Jesus in the center of your heart and life and all that you do. Another said make God your number one priority one said, simply, stay close to Jesus. One of the last one said, work for God. The retirement benefits are great. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. Because eternal life, resting with Jesus, being with Jesus, Jesus is the reward. He is the benefit. So again, all of this, how we live out of this reality that God loves us and wants all of us and will encompass us, is simply put, love God and love others. When we're working and thinking through these things and and trying to do our best to do these things, can you summarize it? Step one, love God. Step two, love others. Simple as that. We overcomplicate things all the time. Dallas Willard said it like this, that grace is not earned, but it does not mind effort. Grace is not earned, but it does not mind effort. And we have people in our church by the compelled by the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who are doing these things. Things like our ESL program on Wednesday nights, building relationship, gifting the gift of just English to our brothers and sisters from around the world so they can be known here, they can have a relationship here, they can talk with us and fellowship with us. A gentleman this week coordinated an apartment, fixing out an apartment for a family immigrating from Ukraine. A member of our church did that. We've opened up the doors to our building as a warming shelter to those experiencing homeless in the city. Groups like Mission Regan are bringing medical supply to those who are lacking in our city, sharing the gospel with them. We have mission trips going around the world. Email missions at firstmckinney.com. Be on the move with us of loving God and loving others. Specifically, if you don't know, Finch Elementary, just down the street, we have a team of volunteers who a couple years ago started what they called the Learning and Light Club. This is an after school program. It's a Bible club for the students of Finch elementary, kindergarten through fifth grade. It's a wild time. And I got to go to our last club just a few weeks ago and sit front row. And in these photos, you won't even recognize me. Yes. Cause I look like I'm 12, but I got to sit there and they're playing games and singing songs and being blessed by the team. And they get all these gifts and um, fun. But you know what the most loving thing that they do is? The most loving thing you can do for your neighbor? Listen. Are you listening? They share the gospel. In this picture, this is Sarah Hassler, the leader of the team, a member of our church. She didn't go to seminary. She hasn't brought up some genius plan. She simply goes, invites children, blesses them, loves on them, shows them what Jesus looks like. In action. And then at the end of this semester, she stood up in front of them after talking about all these Bible stories, explained to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of their Savior who has come. And they were listening. Because at the end, this one little boy raises his hand and he says, So how do we tell God we're sorry? And so then she starts to explain to them this is how you enter into that relationship. Another students asking about baptism. And then the parents are coming in to pick their children up and relationship is being built. Stewardship of life, time, talent, treasures. Giving away her life. And it's a lot of effort. Have you hung out with elementary school students lately? So here's my challenge to you. We have a lot of great ministries. But this coming Saturday, you can either email missions at firstmckinney.com. You can take a picture of that URL, a little whatever those boxes are called with the squiggly things on them. I'm totally blanking. This Saturday in the morning and afternoon, we're training people to go into the harvest, to enter into gospel conversations with people, to share their testimony, to proclaim Jesus as Lord, as King. I challenge you and urge you, if you don't feel comfortable doing this, which is most of us a lot, right? Be there Saturday. They'll be right here on our campus learning how to simply share the gospel, the most loving thing you can do for someone. People are broken, they are hurting, and they are desperate to hear more about Jesus. So how about the rest of the story? Verses 32 through 34. Listen to this, are you listening? The scribe said to him, you're right, teacher you have truly said that he is the one and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. The Lord desires obedience. It's found perfectly in Jesus. and He's standing right there before him. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, No one dared to ask him any more questions. So my question to you is, where are you? Are you a citizen of the kingdom of God? Have you called on Christ? Have you repented of your sins, placed your faith in Jesus Christ, been renewed, restored, justified, and yes, not perfect, but that is our sanctification. That's the journey. That he is making us more like him. But it has to start on our knees in front of our king, pleading, as that little boy said, how do I say I'm sorry? You say I'm sorry. God, forgive me of what I've done. I have put idols in front of you. You are not my king, but I'm asking you to be my king now. Do not leave here, brothers and sisters, without meeting Jesus. If you have questions about that, please come talk to us after this. And if you know Jesus, what area in your life are you possibly holding back? Because again, he wants all of you, heart, mind, soul, and strength. What things are getting in the way? What things do you need to get rid of? What action do you need to take in your life that the Holy Spirit's been nudging you on? Come on. Where do we all need to surrender, whether our life, our salvation in Jesus, or what he's asked us to do. Because listen, are you listening? Do not hear about wings today and go waddle home. Do not hear about freedom and go back to the prison that you came from. Do not hear about life offered by Jesus Christ, but choose death. Listen, are you listening? God is love. God loves you, and He wants all of you. And it is from that, from that truth, when resting in Him, that we then get to live. Simply put, love God and love others to the glory of His name that the nations and all the world may hail King Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for these truths. We thank you for your great commandment. Yes, the Lord God is one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus, we thank you for your life. We thank you that you loved us first, and now we can love you in return We can do that in freedom. We can do that by the way that we live, but first we just need to rest in you. So God, may we love you. And again, from that, move us to action, move us to go seek those who are the hurt, lost and dying. We simply want to be used by you, God, to your glory, that more may know you, Jesus, your excellencies, your majesty, May we leave this place on mission. And again, to bring you glory because that is the great blessing to all creation. So we ask this all in Jesus' name and by the power of your spirit, amen. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.